0: Welcome to the Busy Business Women podcast, where you have VIP access to discover the wins and wisdom that have helped successful business brains build businesses that boom. With your host Bay Hollands
1: from busybusinesswomen.biz. Hi, Faye Hollands here from BusyBusinessWomen.biz and welcome to episode 18 of the Busy Business Women podcast. Now, today I'm thrilled to have Lyndall Harris from Podcast VA with us today. Now, Lyndall Harris is the Podcast VA who works her magic for those of us who are on a podcasting journey. She makes our life a lot, lot easier. And she's been a business owner and a virtual assistant for over six years now. She's managed to combine her experience of supporting clients virtually with her love of podcasts and she's created the first Australian VA business to niche into podcast support services and you all know how much I love talking about niching. She's the founder of Podcast VA and now runs a team that makes podcasting easier. But don't worry if you don't have a podcast and you're not looking for a VA, do not abort this podcast episode because as always, this show is all about delving into the real and raw side of being a successful business owner. And Lyndall has quite a story to share and an emotional one that dramatically shifted how she grew her flourishing business. Now when I put a shout out up on Facebook for podcast guests, Lyndall messaged me and she got my attention straight away, but her story was very, different to all of the other responses I got. I think it's amazing what we are capable of achieving when our backs are against the wall. And Lyndall is a perfect example of that. And I know that she's going to have some real pearls of wisdom to share with us from that journey. So without further ado, I'm thrilled to welcome Lyndall to the show today. Lyndall, I'm so thrilled to have you on the podcast. Welcome. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure because, uh, you know, we've known each other for a little while now. We've not no known each other. It's actually our first conversation. Um, <laughs> but being the podcast guru that you are, you came up on my radar when I started the Busy Business Women podcast and, um. I love the fact that you have niched and I, you know, I rant on to my clients all the time about niching. So <laughs> I'm thrilled to finally actually have the opportunity to talk to you and even more so because when you answered my Facebook shout out, you were very honest and open with the journey that you've had in business. So without further ado, let's get stuck in because I've got so many questions and we've never got enough time. So I'm just going to go <laughs> help a leather and see how many of these we can get through um, being a complete nosy parker and delving into the life of Michael Harris so let's begin perfect so you've been in business you know for over six years now and I think it's safe to say that you have come up against an enormous hurdle which was around four years ago into your entrepreneurial journey so can you tell us a bit about what happened to you and your family at that point four years ago
0: Yeah, sure. So um, I have been a virtual assistant for about six or seven years and I was just plodding along and doing my thing. Obviously, like a lot of people, I have two young kids that are now seven and nine Mm -hmm. and um, my husband and I were separated and we're about to get divorced. We'd moved out. We had the family home up for sale when he was diagnosed with um, terminal pancreatic cancer so mm, so yeah. that kind of threw a little bit of a spanner in the work so he's he's actually English with no family here in Australia so for me I didn't even think twice about moving back in with him to care for him because I I knew that he needed the kids around to really fight it and and want to fight every day they needed him too because you know they have a life unfortunately where they will lose their dad quite young so yeah um, yeah it's a, it was a very big journey the house went unconditional the day that he was diagnosed so you know I moved back into the house to pack it all up to move to a rental again that was closer to the kids school and and I guess the reality of my life moving forward is well, was very much around becoming a solo parent mm.
1: So, just getting my head around all of this because I can't, you know, I know for me as a business owner, um, with not having any of that going on in my life, how, uh, how much of a roller coaster running your own business can be at the best of times. So, you were a couple of years into building a business at that point. How did all of this affect you?
0: Well, when he was first diagnosed, I was, yeah, I was probably, actually, I was probably about four years into my business and I had, uh, look, when he was first diagnosed, I I stripped right back to only doing the bare minimum that I could because he was actually quite sick when he was diagnosed Mm -hmm. um, and had to have major surgery. And so there was a big care element involved then. So I was lucky enough to be able to scale back to where I needed to be still doing something we weren't in a financial position where we could just both not work yeah Um, so yeah it was really about sort of taking it back and then having a think about how can I continue to do this without having to go and get a job because if I get a job one I can't care for him and two I really didn't want to go and get a job when I had to be there for the kids in the future. So it was really really sort of taking heed, looking at what I was doing at the time, scaling back and really having a bit of time out to think about it.
1: And so then what were your next steps?
0: Um, I'd done quite a lot of work with um people well in my industry in the VA industry coaches you know and i would learned a lot about um scaling and offering packages and things like that so mm. I knew that I had to really take stock and think about what I'd learned and where I'd been and build a business that was purely packaged um or offers offered package services so that or where I wanted to go with my business was that I was managing it, managing a team, working sort of directly with the clients as their contact, but not doing all of the work. And I wanted to scale it so that I could, as I said, be there for the kids, and, but, but running the business at the same time.
1: Yeah. I think it's amazing how, you know, as I said earlier, um when often for many of us when our backs up against the wall that's when we can really shine the brightest and you know I'm just kind of trying to process the situation that you found yourself in and as a mum to you know children that are very similar to your ages and with a husband I can't comprehend how you deal with that situation and keep your head above water and I'm sure you know it doesn't feel like you do all of the time but then coupled with that being a business owner You know, the the level of insecurity that can come from being on an entrepreneurial path and then being, you know, needing to support your family. But also at that point, then thinking about not just plodding along in your business and bringing the money in, but thinking about how am I going to change my business so that it's more successful because I need it to be bigger and better and bolder right now because of my situation that's a mm. lot to deal with at that time and i um, and you know the point path that we're going down now is the fact that you started to niche right so mm. where um you know this is a conversation that I have with so many of my clients and they're they're fearful of and they feel, find it's counterintuitive and yet when your back was up against the wall you went down the path that a lot of people steer away from so mm. tell me about niching what it's done for your business how it's helped you whether there's been any downsides
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, it definitely there hasn't been any downsides. It's the best thing I have ever done. And and it it was nerve wracking at first. Um I I did think a lot about it, but I'd heard a lot about niching and I'd heard a lot about how it can work for businesses. And funnily enough, when I'd thought about niching previously, I'd thought about niching the target market rather than the actual service that I provide. Yeah. So um, oh, it would have been in 2015. I actually worked with a client who launched the first podcasting conference here in Australia, and at that time, I was doing um, a, a sort of more general VA work with uh, helping people with events and doing their content marketing and putting blogs and email marketing and things like that out there. Mm-hmm. And when I so I got to network with lots of podcasters, and the one thing I realized was that there was no one and in Australia definitely no one offering podcast support and so after much I have a business bestie that um, we actually worked on the project with with that client to launch the 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 conference and we had lots of discussions and we worked quite a lot together and and it was through those discussions that Um, I decided just go for it just rip the band-aid off and go for it (laughs) Niche into a small target because no one else is doing it and still in Australia I'm still the only I think I'm still I think there might be someone starting to or a couple is starting to do it but I certainly was the first to niche into podcast support from a virtual assistant side of things.
1: That fills me with immense joy, Linda, and I know my listeners will go be going, "Oh my God, Faye's on a niche rant again." But honestly, <laughs> I just love to hear this, and I love the fact that you said the rip the bandaid off because that is what it feels like for a lot of people. They're so scared to do it, and they keep putting it off and putting it off. But eventually, it's going to happen, um, and you know. Also, you and I are in very um, busy markets, right? I wouldn't say saturated, but the VA industry, the business coaching industry, like personal trainers and a lot of other service-based businesses, there's a lot of us out there. And so, you know, if you don't niche, you become this jack-of-all-trades master of none, which I see with a lot of VAs. You know, and the same with business coaches. There's so many things that we can help our respective clients with, but if we try and offer all of those things to a really broad range, then nobody really knows what we're specialists in and mm. you have niched beautifully mm. so
0: yes yeah, sorry were you gonna say int- well I was gonna say that's exactly how it felt for me before I niche I just felt like I knew what I was doing and I I knew that I could do it and I did it well but I couldn't market myself well yeah. because I couldn't find that real unique was a unique value proposition that people talk about mm. um whereas well, I could, yeah. I just found the whole marketing and finding clients are just a little bit trickier whereas, as I say, like when I did go down to podcasting and I could just tell people exactly what I did in a really short sort of, you know, sentence even, yeah. it just it made all the difference. And my, my business has grown organically far faster than it did in five years of doing more general content marketing style VA work. And at that point, there are many ears pricking up
1: and eyes popping open and like, yes, I really (laughs) should go and do that. Thank you very much. Okay, so let's talk about time for money because you're in this awful situation and um, you're also running a business where, again, just like me, it's very easy to just be trading your time for money. Now, I work with a lot of service-based businesses and one of the things that so many of them struggle with is the fact. They're doing exactly that. They're trading their time for money. So at some point, they're either going to hit a ceiling and literally have no no more time to give to their clients. So they either can't give what the clients that they've got what they need, or they can't take on any more clients and make any more money, or they're going to burn out. And it's you know it's normally the latter first. They burn out, lose the passion for their business, and you know there's a domino effect that comes from that. How mm. did you go about scaling your business so that you could escape that trap? remove that ceiling on your income, scale your business and then thinking from a personal point of view actually create the time and space you needed for your family and your husband at that point.
0: Oh, I've definitely been caught up in the trap of money, time for money. Um, I found it very hard when I was so before I had niched in or before I was offering content marketing as a VA, when I first started and I was offering general admin and and some really general services, I found that incredibly hard to try and package. Wow. One of the first conferences I went to, um, the Australian VA conference, was probably nine months or so after I started my, my business and one of the key speakers for me at that conference talked about offering packages so you could move away from the time for money model and I I struggled because when you're trying to offer general services and you're trying to compete with offshore VAs and you know people that are charging quite a a lot a lot less um hourly rate Mm. it's quite hard to um for everyone to see the value in that. And so they don't necessarily want to pay a package if if they don't know the hours they're getting. So at that point, I sort of looked at packaging up hours, but it still was the same trap. But when I moved into offering the content marketing, it was easier for me then to look down and look and think, okay, well, I can create a package that does this, this, and this, and I can create different packages and then offer those packages. So it was sort of sitting down and working out what services to offer, knowing exactly how long does each thing take? How long does each task or element take in that package? And then putting together the the prices for them. And certainly when I niched into podcast support, I just did away with any hourly tasks. I don't offer any hourly tasks. It's all, uh, it's all, package related and and I'm quite happy to create bespoke packages because I do find that most of my clients do have VAs or they have support staff that can do certain tasks and so I'm happy to create bespoke packages but it's always a bespoke package that includes certain tasks and and I or a quote for project work it's never hourly.
1: And I think a massive um, mindset shift comes with your clients when you do that because uh, everything that you're saying is exactly the path that I was down. You know, if you go back nearly 11 years when I first started my first business and as a coach, everything I was selling was hourly rates and, you know, it's you're just selling an amount of time as opposed to an outcome or a result. Mm. And so your clients become fixated on how much time they've got rather than, the outcome that they want to get or the result that they want to get. Mm. Did you see a shift when you started offering packages, the types of clients that you were getting, the level of commitment they've got to you, those types of things?
0: I did I did and I actually really enjoyed it a lot more I didn't feel because yeah. the other thing I think when you charge an hourly rate if you're fast at what you do you're penalized over somebody who's <laughs> not as good and is slower in doing something they get paid more than you so yeah um, I my mindset changed and I was a lot happier when I could really confidently um, know my price and confidently give people a price because you're right when you've got an hourly rate and you're doing a project for someone it, if it is a project and you don't know how long it's going to take it some of them are how long is a piece of string and so yeah. they can't work their, their budget out you don't know exactly how long it'll take it just it added this level of sort of stress and complexity that just isn't there when you offer a set price for for outcome. Completely agree. So
1: for any of our listeners that are sitting there still charging hourly rates, Lyndall and I both encourage you to go forth and create packages. Trust me, you will never look back, will they, Lyndall?
0: No, never. Never. <laughs> never. Good. <laughs>
1: okay. Now, thankfully, you did make that shift um, and you've been able to scale your business. What shifts did you <laughs> need to make in your business to be able to scale it so that you weren't the only one doing the client work?
0: Yeah, I think the biggest shift was me, my mindset for starters, because I probably am a little bit of a control freak by nature. I like to to do things my way and and it was really getting into my own head and thinking, do you know what, if the outcome is the same, it doesn't have to be done my way and you need to trust other people's skill sets that they can also provide that. Thing, that service that task or whatever it is whichever way they decide to do it so long as it's sort of obviously to the same standard and it meets the meets the requirements so for me the biggest thing was letting go and it's really funny saying that because as a VA of of uh well, four or five years before I niched into podcasting and really grew a team behind me, that is exactly what you're asking your clients to do. You're asking <laughs> them to let go of their business and trust you and partner with you so that you can help them grow. Yeah, So it, it's a really interesting um, practice of of you know, practicing what you what you're saying, I guess, because that's what you want your clients to do as a VA. So that was the first thing. Um, systems and processes, obviously, was super important. Uh, hard to to hand things over to a team if you haven't got systems and processes in place and look I learned along the way there were times when I, I didn't have my, my processes might not have been as clear as they should have been and and you know I've seen the difference of really upping the processes and having those clear for everybody that comes onto the team yeah and my other thing is project management tools mm. um Personally, I'm I'm Asana um, or Trello, but I, I prefer Asana. And I yeah. think just having those tools and knowing how to use them to get the most out of them is is really important because it's easy to sort of sign up for something. And, and I've done it before. You don't really <laughs> know all the ins and outs of it, yeah. but if you set it up, if you spent, so I know for me with Asana, I, I kind of liked it, but I didn't know how to get the most out of it. So I um, had a, consultation with an asana specialist and oh, made all the difference
1: that's really interesting actually because i am definitely someone i like to think of myself as an early adopter so i jump on the bandwagon with new things and get really excited and i think about it as like shiny sparkly syndrome Yay, there's a new thing let's get it <laughs> and then i you know unless it clicks really quickly i'm jumping onto the next shiny sparkly thing and haven't mastered that so i did exactly the same with asana. Signed up for it, got some clients onto it. And, oh, it's not really working. No, this isn't for me. And moved on. And uh, when, once I heard you say about seeing the, the Asana specialist, I'm like, oh... This is, you know, you tell your clients to, to stick with things and master them and I'm not mm. w- to walking my own talk, I guess, in that respect. So thank you. You just gave me a really good, much
0: needed That's feedback. all right. <laughs> <I appreciate> that. <laughs> That's all right because it so does, nice. it makes all the difference in, in everything, like how to delegate and outsource. Certainly, you yeah. know, we use Slack as well, but everything's done through Asana and it's just, yeah, it just works. So it's, it's been great. So, those are your golden tools. Okay. Now, I'd imagine
1: as a successful business owner and a VA, you are a very organized person. And I already love the fact that you're a kind of recovering control freak because the same as me. Um, (laughs) What I'd love to know is what are your top three tips for getting organized and staying on top of your workload? Is it a sign of Slack Trello or are there other ways that you make sure you've really got everything under control?
0: Um, I, so using those online tools is definitely a, um, a big one for me. So Slack and Asana and as I say, getting to know how to use them. Look, I'm sure there's probably, particularly in Slack, there's probably lots of things I don't know how to use in that, but really just stick to, I am a shiny object person as well. I'd be like, I'll try (laughs) I'll try this one and I'll try that one. And then I was like, nothing's yep. working for me. So, <laughs> so that's why I picked one and went, okay, now I'm going to learn how to use it and I'm going to, so that for me was was key. Um, but also automation tools like Zapier and If This yeah. Then That, they just make life so much easier. Like the type of zaps that I use might be uh, into, you know, MailChimp, my, my leads into MailChimp and dropping different files from one Dropbox folder to another Dropbox folder so the team can get access to the files they need and little things like that. So I really like those automation tools. Mm. And clear communication between your team members and your clients, whatever, whatever, however you choose to communicate with them, whether it's by Slack, by email. I'm quite um, flexible in that I'll communicate whatever using a method that that suits the clients. Yeah. But um very clear communication and my other thing for being organized is batching your tasks. Particularly as a podcaster, as somebody who talks to a lot of podcasters, I think there is so much benefit for batching batching tasks together and and helping you stay ahead using that um technique i
1: couldn 't agree more, and um, you know I batch practically everything I do in my business i 'm a big batcher, uh, but podcasting is the only thing i don 't batch and what 's interesting is i 've really seen the results from why I do batch versus you know well um, why I do batch and then what 's happening when i don't so with podcasting i 'll have a guest like you and then i 'll get so excited about the podcast that i 'll just do everything that needs to be done for that podcast and lose hours in my day or my week instead of doing all my interviews together and all of the different components of creating a podcast together. So, uh, for for our listeners, it doesn't matter whether you're in podcasting or not, have a think about the things that you're replicating in your business every single day and week and think about how you can batch those together because it does make a massive difference. And I'm definitely wasting or losing time, not wasting it, but losing time uh, by not batching all of my podcast stuff together. And the irony is I batch everything else. So, Lindor, I think you might need to invoice me later for business coaching <laughs> for myself. It's like the plumber with that plumbing, right?
0: <laughs> That's so good. But even if you're, when, you're, when you're... I think with podcasting too, like there are different things that you can batch. So you could batch your, um, like maybe your in, intros. You could batch your graphics. Mm. You could batch the, the scheduling of it all. But, yeah, I think some people... Um, there's different ways to batch things I guess when it comes to podcasting I've got one client who does all of her podcast interviews on one day and I've got others that are like oh no I don't have the energy to do more than one a day so they batch differently
1: you've got to find what works for you and then stick to it find that routine have the consistency like anything in business right you find your groove and then go with it
0: yeah absolutely
1: so, talking about finding our groove, let's talk work-life balance. Now, we hear that term bandied around all over town. Um, and you've got a family and, you know, commitments to juggle. I think it's fair to say you'd have a lot of balls up in the air at any point. Would that be fair to say?
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. So, as a small business owner, as a mum, as a carer, um, what are your thoughts on work-life balance? Do you think it's something that actually exists or what's your take on it and what do you do to maintain your mental and your physical health so that your life doesn't become all about work and it's all consuming?
0: Do I think it exists? I'm not sure if I do think it exists actually. I have definitely not got that formula down <laughs> pat if it does. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't don't know that it does exist for certainly for business owners because there's i think some people can um have strict boundaries better than others and mm. being that a lot of my work is client well it's client work it's client driven and there's deadlines and there's things you know there's there's certain outcomes that I need to meet I do like to think that I have boundaries but I can also step outside them if I need to so um I love the fact, one of the reasons, as I said, when I first went into business back in 2011 to 12 was because I had had my kids by then and I knew when they started school, I, I wanted to be able to go to their activities, their sports days and not be, I didn't want to be that mum that's working nine till five, five days a week and, yeah. and only sort of see them later. And so I've been really lucky that that is what I've built basically. So... Um, if I have client, if I have, um, so school activities on or sports days, like the, this week and last week at school is just manic with two kids on different sports days. They both have two sports days each. They have gold award ceremonies. They have all sorts of stuff on at school. I can work in the evening and get my tasks done. And because I love what I do, it, does, it, it doesn't bother me. I'm not sort of begrudgingly sitting there of an evening and thinking, oh, I've got to get this done or whatever. I love that I can go and do what I need to do yeah. to see the kids and be part of their activities. And then if I still need to catch up a little bit, I can do that either in the evenings or I can spend a couple of hours on a weekend and catch up.
1: Yeah, I love that. I, I think of um work-life balance, it's kind of like this infamous thing that we think we should be on a quest for, but I, I prefer the term work-life blend me work-life balance is back in my old corporate days where I was desperate to find that balance like I didn't want work coming into my personal life I just wanted to leave it in London commute back to my home and not think about it for however long I had whereas as a business owner and loving what I do I'm happy for it to mold around my life and I'm I'm fine to just dip into my emails or do some social media uh, when I'm waiting for the kids at school or you know it, it doesn't have to be that set hours and that Set routine. So for Mm. me, it's more about the blend around my life and having the balance that I'm looking for as opposed to this kind of structure which is how I used to think about it. Don't know if that resonates with you at all.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think blend is exactly right. And and I'm exactly the same. I think of the balance is more if you um, are working for somebody else or you have a job, whereas I think when you're running a business, the blend is exactly, it's the perfect word for it because it, it it is. It's across everything. And I guess it's really hard to separate those two things like your work and your life balance your work and your life and your family and everything um outside of that so yeah i think that's a great great way to put it
1: well i also joke that my businesses and my babies you know my first business outshine consulting (laughs) was my first baby it's probably the easiest (laughs) one as well So, (laughs) anyway moving on now you mentioned to me um that back in the day when you were deciding to niche and when your husband was diagnosed that you had many discussions with your business bestie I'd love to know more about the network of people that you've got around you. Um, do you do a lot of networking? Who do you hang out with? Where do you find your Where do you find the inspiring people in your life?
0: I do do a lot of networking. So when I first started my business, I don't do as much at the moment, I should say that, but when I first started my business, one of the um, first things that I got into was B&I, which as I know is very strict and it's, you know, you've got to be very accountable and it's it's quite a costly sort of network to be a part of. But what I learned from that and I have been able to transfer across Now, well, I did the first three years of my business doing B&I and I just learned so much and I gained a lot of confidence meeting people, talking about what I do, you know, being able to tell people what I do and also the value in just having a network and being able to refer to people and um, talk about what other people do. So I I sort of started in that really... rigid, I guess, environment of B&I. But then I also did a lot of other face-to-face sort of breakfast-style networking up here on the Sunshine Coast. Yeah. Um, now I tend not to do those as much because I just find it a little bit hard to get to um, breakfast-style morning meetings. Yeah, But um, I do have a business bestie and we have really kind of been working together and certainly keeping each other accountable and we bounce ideas off each other we've been doing that for about three years now and to me that makes a big difference there's yeah industry networks be very active in the australian va industry yeah um which i think is awesome because every one of us work from home and every one of us feels the isolation and is doing the client work so it's really nice to have have those online networks but then my big thing lately has been going to conferences. so really going to conferences that are quite targeted, um, So where maybe where my target market is hanging out, but that's where I like to meet people now isn't conferences and then keep in contact with them.
1: Yeah, I love that. Um, I started out my networking life at BNI as well. So um, I completely understand, you know, it's very structured and rigid, right? But um, in the early days, it really suited. And I think also uh, your business is a little bit younger than mine, but also. The way that the business landscape has evolved in terms of social media, we now have so many other ways of networking. Back 10, 11 years ago, B&I and and breakfast meetings pre-children, because I have exactly the same struggles as you. I really can't get to breakfast meetings at all. Um, But that was the way that, you know, you built a business. And now there are so many other ways in terms of social media. But I think you're absolutely spot on. And I encourage everyone listening to make sure that they're not just relying on online to build their network. Because... You know, your network is your net worth and Mm. it is more than just knowing someone online. It is at least picking up the phone or going and have a coffee and trying to meet them in person. It makes such a massive difference. And I love to hear that you've got this biz bestie. I think it's lovely to find a tribe, even if you tribes one or two um, of people that really get you and that you can have those frank and open conversations with and not just the surface level stuff about, you know, how's your business going? Oh, great. It's, mm. You can actually really talk about what's going on for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we bounce ideas off each other all all the time. So even if it's just a really quick thing, like, do you, can you can you read this for me and tell me if you think it's okay? Or yeah, yeah, no, it is great. It's interesting because I actually go to a gym. Uh, well, every day, most days. Well done. <laughs> it's 5.45, nice and early. Um, but quite a lot of people that are in the circuits that we go to are business owners. And so it's a really nice community that we go and um, do our gym, do our circuits, and then we go and have a coffee afterwards. And as I say, because wow. a number of us are business owners, we also talk about business and what's happening and how do they market or what are they doing that's working and what have you. So that's a nice... Um, that's a really nice group as well.
1: That's a win-win, isn't it? You're getting your exercise done, looking after yourself and networking practically at the same time. Yeah. Well yeah.
0: Done. And <laughs> love that. social little community. It's lovely. It
1: is. Yeah. It's really good. Really good. Okay. Now I can't have you on this show and not talk about podcasting because I know there are going to be lots of listeners in the Busy Business Women community who are thinking about starting their own podcast. Um, and I've had lots of questions over, you know, since we started the Busy Business Women podcast and I fumbled my way through working out how to do a podcast. Lots of people have asked me about how do you do it? And I am not the guru by any stretch of the imagination. So. Um, you know lots of people are thinking about doing this what i'd love to know from you is what are the three biggest mistakes you see newbie podcasters make
0: okay i think there think there's probably quite a few but i'll yeah. I'll, I'll go <laughs> I think the number one, the biggest mistake people can make is by having no strategy. It is so important. It's really critical that you know your purpose and you know your why and you have a really clear objective as to why you're doing a podcast, particularly um, we're talking about if it's a business podcast. I mean, if you're talking about a sort of hobby podcast or an interest podcast, yes, it's still important and it's still you know critical to know why you're doing it. But if you're doing it as part of your business, um, your business's content marketing activities, you really need to have a clear objective for it. And I do see a lot of people... Um, you know, a lot of people will start with, oh, I'm going to do a podcast. Okay, cool. What microphone should I get? What equipment do I need? And it's (laughs) like. Oh, my God, have you been watching me, Lyndall? Because that's exactly (laughs) what I did. Exactly. (laughs) And it's kind of like that comes in at about step six or step five. You need to work (laughs) through all this other stuff first that might help um, really nail the message. But uh, that's that's probably number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is um, the biggest mistake is starting and then stopping. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do it and this is fine if you have like a seasonal show or a, or a show that you run on series mm-hmm. but if you start putting out a a consistent, you know, we're doing a weekly show and then you start falling off the wagon and you just put one out a month and you don't even do it at the same time every month and you just put one up, then you're kind of losing that traction and, and why people are doing it. It is amazing how many podcasts are on apple podcasts for example that have got like six or seven episodes and then people realize how much work it is to have a podcast yes. and then they stop so
1: yeah, i yeah. i um can really relate to, i'm literally if this was on video you could see me cringing beyond belief <laughs> that's exactly i mean not exactly what's happened to me but i think the thing that's happened to me is realizing how much effort's actually involved Um, Mm. And I'm sure you come across this time and time again. I know when I talk to my clients about my area of expertise, often many people underestimate what's involved in running a successful business. I completely underestimated what was involved in getting a podcast up and out consistently. And there's Mm. a lot to that, uh, which is why you exist and why your business is going so well because you get the shiny, sparkly, you know, excitement syndrome where you're like, yes, let's do a podcast and go and buy your microphone and don't think about strategy and then start recording, you, the novelty factor of recording the first few, you know, episodes is there, but then suddenly you realise how much time's involved and all the mm. other techie things you've got to do. So, um, yes, I know I'm not alone yeah. in that and I've completely no, you're not that all. path.
0: No, not at all. You really aren't at all. There's a lot of people, it's... It, there is just it's there's lots of elements that go with, with the podcast. You sort of think about it as recording the audio, but then there is there's editing the audio, putting intro and outro on, going through and making sure that you um, level the sound correctly and you put it to the right bitrate. So you've got all the technical stuff, then you've got to post it to your host, you've got to put it on your website, you've got to embed the audio play, you've got to do show notes, gotta do There's just so much to go with it. <laughs> that that it is you just described my to-do list after we finished
1: talking (laughs) or not because i'm going to talk to you about that yes okay so that was the second what's the third one The third biggest mistake
0: the third one is don't let the fear take hold and not start so if you really do want to do one just get out there and start because get your strategy right first obviously but um So many people don't do it because they get imposter syndrome and probably the biggest one is they don't like the sound of their own voice. And I, can, I hate the sound of my own voice. I'm one of those people, but it, you can't let it stop you because everybody hates the sound of their own voice when they start. So um, just just step through that fear and just do it.
1: Well, I cringe every time, and I'm also now cringing because not only do you need to listen to my voice, but also you've got my barking dog in the background. <laughs> so, you know, don't wait for perfectionism to take hold. Just go and do it. And if you've got a barking dog in the background, so be it. Um, yes, I think you would probably have a list as long as your arm of mistakes that people have made. As yeah. do I. <laughs> um, but those are three ones, three that I've definitely fallen foul of. So thanks for sharing those with us. Okay, so we've nearly run out of time. I would love to know, is there a quote or mantra, Lindell, that you uh, use that's really inspired you over your years in business that you can share with us and maybe, you know, if it's had a particular impact on you?
0: I look in the last, certainly in the last two years, um, since Simon, uh, had was diagnosed is one of, we, we always, every day we say it is what it is and we can't change it. So mm-hmm. I think that has very much been part of my life, but actually one of my favorite podcasts at the moment, and it, look, it is a client of mine. I'm not just giving them a plug. I actually love this podcast. It's called the change room and they talk about living your unshakable truth and also the fact that you choose the whole of your own reality and honestly like just listening to those episodes for me so much of it resonates both personally and in business so um, that whole living your unshakable truth I'd, I'd love that and I come back and think about that quite often. I'm totally going to check that out so it's called The Change Room the change room, yeah,
1: right. And it, we will link um, to that in the show notes because I love the sound of that, and I love your quote. It is what it is. Um, you've got an exceptionally calm, um, really nice way of talking about your experiences, Lindell, and and you know the uh, the personal challenges that you've had over the last two years. I can't begin to imagine how you've navigated that, um, but I really appreciate you sharing them with us. And that I've talked about in previous podcasts never being shared uh, sorry never being afraid to show our vulnerability in business and Mm. that does come down to sharing personal stories like that and and you know like I do all the time mistakes that I've made in business I never uh, shy away from saying yep you know I've started a podcast with no strategy or I've done this with my podcast or so uh, whether it's something you know way more significant and important like your husband's illness or whether it's mistakes that you've made in business don't be afraid to show that vulnerability and be honest and open with it because I think people can connect to you and Linda it's you know it's certainly um, been an absolute pleasure talking to you today and hearing about how you've navigated these challenges in your business so thank you very much for sharing that with us oh you're welcome thank you Now, as if you hadn't already shared enough, you've also got a lovely freebie download that our um, listeners can grab, uh, get their um, hands on, which is called the 10-Step Podcast Launch Checklist. So, for those of you listening that have been thinking you might like to start a podcast, um, I highly recommend you go and check this out because obviously having started a podcast relatively recently and as Lyndall shared today, there are so many mistakes that you can make. There are so many steps and components to setting up a podcast and for actually being successful that... You need help and uh, this is going to be your go-to resource. So we'll link to it in the show notes, but can you tell us a little bit about the checklist that you've, you've organised?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's basically steps you through um, the steps that you actually need to to work through to launch your podcast and get it live on, you know, Apple Podcast, Stitcher Radio. Uh, I say Spotify, but Spotify does take a long time to um, to get your podcast on there because their approval process takes longer. So basically, the steps are are outlined, and you get given, you know, there's a little bit of detail there. So you know, step one will be sorting out your objective and your strategy, and it'll give you a couple of ideas of of what to to think about there you know step two is name your podcast um, and give it a tagline um sorting out your cover art thinking about your music um, certainly when it comes to cover art and music be mindful of the fact that it's an extension of your brand mm-hmm. so particularly the music sometimes i <laughs> i hear music that is just so different to what um to what you think it's going to be. And actually I was just talking to a client before I jumped on this interview and she was telling me that she had somebody who was doing a podcast and they she played it to have a listen to it and it was a financial person that used a piece of music that sounded like circus music. So you can imagine <laughs> that that kind of doesn't go and it doesn't extend your brand hopefully <laughs> well. So, yeah, be mindful of things like that with your cover art and your music. Um, to what you know, what, um, what software are you going to use to record in and what are you going to use to edit? Um, yeah. there's a, there's a suggestion for a post production tool that you can run your, um, audio through to make it sound more professional. And it just steps you through those 10 things that you really want to nail before you launch a podcast. Perfect. Um,
1: There's so so much in just the little snapshot that you've just given us. And having been through that, I know how valuable that would have been to me when I started this podcast. So, thank you. Um, So, listeners, all you need to do is go to busybusinesswomen.biz forward slash podcast 18. And there'll be a link there where you can download Lindor's 10-step podcast launch checklist. Um, It'll also be on the um, Busy Business on the Facebook page as well. So, go forth and make sure you grab your copy because if you're thinking about setting up a podcast, you need that in your life. Um, All of Lyndall's contact details will also be in the show notes. Uh, But if you want to jump over and get some podcast VA goodness right now, just go to podcastva.com. You can also check out Lyndall on, on LinkedIn. Again, links will be in the show notes. Uh, on Facebook she's podcast VA and the same for Instagram so loads of places to go and get your podcast VA uh, fix for today and I really do encourage you to do that so Lindell, thank you so much for joining us today it's been an absolute pleasure you've got fabulous energy about you I love what you do and I also really appreciate you sharing you know a very difficult story with us Um, so thank you so much for doing that is there anything you want to add before I let you go on your merry way today
0: No, thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it. It's been a
1: pleasure. So, ladies, thank you so much for listening to us. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let Lyndall and I know by leaving a review on iTunes, pretty please. And if you'd like to hang out some more, I'd love to see you over on Facebook and Instagram. I'm at Busy Business Women and you can find lots of biz building goodness over at the Busy Business Women website, which is busybusinesswomen.biz. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. I will be back again very, very soon with more inspiration to help you build a business that booms. But until then, I'm Faye Hollands. You've been listening to Faye and Lyndall Harris from Podcast VA. Thank you so much for joining us today.